Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And we are... For Colored Nerds. The conversations that black people have. When white people are not in the room. But we record them. And we put them on the internet. Yeah. How's it going? You know me, tired as usual. How about yeah. you? Yeah. You... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, usually... So, okay. So, usually you seem like you've had about, like, six cups of coffee. I know, and I've had none. Yeah. But, like, yeah, man. Just, like, you know, I, I want some... I want to give you some of my energy. <laughs> Like, damn. I don't actually. It's weird because it's true. On Saturdays, normally I come in here. I'm like, hey, you're like, good ah, morning. what's How going on? What's happening? You know. And you're like, hell, eh, not to me. <laughs> but this morning you were so chatty, and I was really like, I told you. You know what? The first movie that I ever saw that had the F word in it, I think it had, I think it might have been Michael Douglas, or you know, some white guy. Mm -hmm. And it was like he it was called Falling Down. And I remember I couldn't sleep one night. My parents were like, okay, well you can sit and watch this movie. And I was just like, this dude kept being like, fuck this, fuck you, blah blah. blah. This dude lost his fucking mind. He was mm -hmm. walking around his like tea, like his town with like a baseball bat, beating the shit out of people. Yeah, that's why I don't trust white men to this day. But yeah, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited to see where that was gonna go. I was like, damn, that's I really have I no right clue where this story is going. But you know, yeah. I feel that it's like that sometimes. Yeah, like I think that like Beyonce carrying like the. The little hot sauce baseball bat mm. with her like yellow. I think it's like a cavalli gown. Like that's beautiful. Yeah. That's not how I feel. Yeah, that's like a like I'm a sexy jilted woman. Mm -hmm. Like you know what I mean. You're full on like machine gun. Like I've lost my mind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you know, other than that, I'm chilling. How are you doing again? I'm doing all right. You know, stuff going on. It's always always too much to do, but uh, I feel good today. Today mm -hmm. is Peanut's first dentist appointment. <gasps> Yeah. Does she? Oh, she has a couple of teeth. No, she has like she she's got a good six like six ish teeth. What does I didn't realize I I had the same dentist from like birth through twenty six. Honestly, I don't remember like what did you like I what do you do when you're a baby at this age? You know, like we we brush her teeth, which involves just sticking a she's toothbrush so in our mouth. Someone brush my teeth. Yeah, and she basically just sucks on a toothbrush, uh, but. At this age, just making sure like the teeth are not growing in like sideways, and that yeah. we haven't like they're not like a different color, you know. Yeah, like she's growing in black teeth. Yeah, something. yeah, like the, the, there is some like like there's general health of the teeth that are growing in healthy. She has healthy gums, like that's the important part. Yeah. Um, and then later, you know, then it's like we introduce flossing. Like right now, it's just like I want. I'm the dentist. I want to see you. I want to cash in on this insurance. Right, right, right. I want right, to right. make sure you have teeth. And that, you know, your parents are negligent. Okay, so it's just like, yeah. it's like a, you know, like, what is it? It's a scam. It's a scam. Baby a Dennis is scammer. Baby Dennis is scammer. <laughs> you know, there I'm you sure go. we'll get, get a couple letters about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's all That's all I got going on. Just living. That's what's up. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? So fall, fall is here. I, fall is my favorite season. 
And part of that is because my birthday is in it. And really the main reason. That's what I say. What's the other reason? Because <laughs> I actually am not that big on Thanksgiving. Like Thanksgiving to me is kind of like a it's like a throwaway a, house. Oh, yeah. To, I'm sorry. It's a good meal. It's a it good meal. It is a good meal. But I mean, like, my thing is, is like Christmas to me, way more popping. Yeah. And yeah. I eat essentially all the same foods that I have at Thanksgiving. I also have them again at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And Christmas, I additionally get presents. Yeah. Because we have no babies or children in my family at all. Everybody, everyone in my immediate family. And like, well, none of us have any kids. So everybody's at least 25 years old. Yeah. Like, I don't get presents. My anymore. younger sister is 27. So like, everybody's still like, oh. Shit, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I still get presents. It's not like we're buying up a whole bunch of toys for, you know, somebody who's going to forget about it anyway. But on some real shit, just my birthday is popping, and fall is when I know my birthday is coming. And it's, like, a good season, too, because it's, like, it's not so hot that your makeup is melting off or your mm. hair is fucked. Like you can do whatever you want with your hair in the fall. Yeah, sweater you know season. Yeah. Sweater season is starting. Yeah, That's a cool fall look. I'm not sweating constantly. Mm. We're we're heavy sweaters, actually. I'm, a, I'm, I'm ridiculously sweaty. <laughs> All the time. T for colors. Yeah. Hashtag heavy sweaters. Um, we go from heavy sweaters to heavy sweaters. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, heavy sweaters to heavy sweaters. Yo, we're on fire Bars. today. I know. <laughs> Booyakasha. Anyway. But yeah, it's fall. I'm hype. Um, and probably I'm going to use this show as a way to count down to my birthday. So. Oh, well, it's I mean, it's good to know. Thanks for the heads up. No problem. 25, yeah. 2016. So now that you know that we have absolutely nothing going on in yep. our lives, yep. um, we should talk to you about, about why we're here today. Uh, we are here today to talk about a movie that we both saw. Yes. It's not a new movie. No. Um, but it, it's... A... I was about to say, it's not an old movie. It's not an old movie, yeah. Um, but this movie is The Fits. It had a limited release, in the independent film. Mm-hmm. Um, released last year kind of on the festival circuit mm -hmm. and had a, a like slightly larger release this year. Yeah. And it's now available to rent on whatever your chosen yeah, platform. It's on YouTube, whatever, woo-woo. Google, exactly. Mm -hmm. so, to, so to break the movie down before we like get into it, um, the movie is about this 11-year-old tomboy, Tony, who slowly becomes like entranced with this black drill team. So she like pursues joining them and she kind of like is, is struggling to, to fit in and find her own femininity. But then she starts noticing that the members of this dance troupe are kind of caught up in these like really seemingly like dangerous, fainting and violent seizure like fits. Yeah. And so she's trying to unlock kind of like what's happening with that and yeah. discover something about herself. Yeah, actually, like Eric watched the movie last week and was just like, have you seen this? And I was like, oh, I heard about it. I haven't seen it yet. He was like, you need to watch it. We're going to talk about it on Saturday. And you were like, and then you told me this on like Tuesday. And then like on the Wednesday, you were like, uh, you need to make sure that you watch the movie on Friday night. And I'm like, I know we record on Saturday morning. You're just like pressuring me. What made you be like, we have to talk about this? Well, a lot of things. Like, the first thing I thought was it was a really beautiful film. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, it's kind of hard to get a film where black people are lit right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the truth. That it's is like, the damn truth. And, the you know, the, the, the central character, the protagonist, is this dark-skinned little black girl. Oh, my gosh. Played by royalty Hightower. Hightower. Best name of all time. Yes. Fire name. Uh, shouts out to her mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought that it was really well done. When the film was over, I felt like I wanted to know more about the characters and the world that they were in. Like, I was just, I want to stay here. Like, I want to, yeah. Like, I want to squeeze more out of this. I want to see more. I left the film definitely like excited about like all of the people who were in it, and like excited about the world that I had been brought into. Yeah, it's a really, really like 
to me, it was a really, really satisfying story that was just accentuated by like every single piece. Like mm-hmm. I said, the photography was really good. The sound design was really, the really great. Choreography was excellent. Yes. Like so, in all every character, with the exception of one person in the film, is black, and like black drill team is such a specific type of dancing it's like such a, it's like some people call it drill teams people call it majorette i think anybody who's seen the formation video is familiar with what that type of dance is like mm-hmm. and if you're a black the chances are really high that you know yeah. you can think of tons of other examples for example howard university's ooh la la dance yeah. team. The, you had that type of choreography but then something that i could tell throughout the movie i should say so tony starts off like obviously we're talking about movies so like spoiler alert whatever but like throughout the film you can tell like i could tell that tony was a really good dancer like that the girl royalty hightower herself even though tony really? started off yeah, yeah yeah because like the ways in which she was a bad dancer like I I felt like the performance was so convincing, her being a bad dancer, yeah. that I was like, she has to be good. Uh, and like the other thing is, is that like, uh, so that was kind of like my guess. But then when I watched uh, all of the girls have their fits, mm-hmm. I noticed that the fits seemed like rhythmic. choreographed, yeah, rhythmic and like choreographed modern dance numbers. It reminded me of like, so I grew up around all white people, but my god sister to show. She went to ML King High School, which is on the east side of Detroit. So I remember being really young and going to like my corny white dance school, Cheryl's School of Dance. Shout out Novi, Michigan. (laughs) Shout out Elizabeth Berkeley of Saved by the Bell and Showgirls fame, who also attended Cheryl's School of Dance with me. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) So like you can see what like what type of dance education that I was receiving growing up. You probably got some tap. Oh, I got I had I had some decent tap. I had I had a strong I had a strong belly background. I will give them that. But I um I remember going to my cousin Tichelle's dance like recital for like like King High School's dance program. And it was the first time I had seen uh like young black people doing modern dance. Mm-hmm. And like that's what it reminded me of. I was just sort of like 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 it was the first like a lot of these young black women, if I had to guess, they probably had some type of like more, whether it's like majorette, drill team, cheerleading, or like popular like jazz, hip hop type of dance background, seeing them interpret the like the modern dance moves, which is a completely different like visual vocabulary, it reminded me like that's what I thought of when I saw this scene in the fits. I was like, oh, this reminds me of Tichelle's dance recital from yeah. like King High School, nineteen ninety seven. So I was like, okay, I could tell that the fits had been choreographed, and that's when I was like, I this girl's probably a good dancer. And like, but like, she looked believable as a terrible dancer that got better slowly over time, yeah. which to me made her performance all the more interesting. But the way that they use dance to like express certain things throughout the film and to sort of mark time and mark mm. progress in the plot, I thought was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I interesting enough that you say that. I, I'm normally a terrible dancer, so I found her terrible dancing like totally believable <laughs> to the point where I was like, "Damn, I feel for you, girl." Like, I don't know how it's gonna get better. Um, <laughs> But it did, and yeah, she, I mean, clearly an excellent dancer, and the, I was just, it was really fun seeing the team dance, too, Mm -hmm. just because, like, you know, we, we, uh, a few more years, and I'd like to say removed from Howard, so, you know, I I don't, (laughs) I don't really get to see, like, we don't get to see that anymore, you know what I'm saying, we don't get to see the band or or hear them on, like, Saturdays or Sundays or anything, but, um, but yeah, so it was really great seeing, like, that. Um, in addition to just the performances were really good too. So yeah. we talked a lot. Like, there's not a ton of dialogue. It's not a very dialogue heavy film at all. No. Um, but you got so much from all the the, the characters in the film. Like yeah. um, so there's Tony. There's her friend. I think like Beezy. Beezy. Yeah. She's so cute. Yeah. Who's excellent. 
uh, in the film. And even yeah. her brother, Maine, I thought yeah. was really, really good. They did a great job of using like very small pieces effectively to like showcase like the depth of the relationships, yeah. you know? So you you got to understand that like, even though Tony is kind of a reserved girl that she has an affinity for, like she has she has a love for BZ over time. She yeah, develops yeah. it. That's very clear and it's cute. Yeah. Um, and even her brother, like her and her brother's relationship, like he's a very like, you, it's clear he's a very focused guy. Yeah. Um, but he's he's ultimately really like lovingly supportive yeah. of his sister. Yeah, like he's a, he's like, I guess somewhere background, like he's like a boxer and you can see that like this community center that they spend time with, that's where Tony starts off. She starts off in their world kind of training to be just like her brother. And then she's sort of like, I don't know, you can tell she's like, what, maybe 11 or something like that? If yeah, I like guess. 10 or 11. Yeah, 10 or 11. And she starts to notice, like, the drill team, the girls on the drill team, like, practicing. He notices that she's, like, kind of, like, on the outside looking in and kind of wants to join their world, at least see what it's like. And he gives her, he actually, is, like, is the person who gives her the push. Yeah. To, like, actually, like, move forward. Which I found really endearing. You know, like, and, I mean, I think this takes us to, like, another piece of what I found really interesting about the movie is, like, movies like this are typically in a category and, you know, it's like fish out of water, coming of age yeah. tale. And usually the older brother is this person who's like, oh, you want to dance now? And, you know, yeah. he's like poking fun at her yeah. or making her feel even more like an outsider. And that's just not really what happens in this movie on either side. Yeah. I really enjoyed how they flirted with like changing a lot of these like really cliched pieces of the category of the film that this could have fallen into. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. To kind of linger on that a little bit, this movie typically wouldn't be made in those categories. Yeah. You know, like yeah. those coming of age, fish out of water tales are usually about little white, white boys. boys. Yeah. 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 You know, you have like Sandlot where, you know, yeah. boy moves to a new town. Yeah. Like, you know, he is, he isn't quite sure like where he fits in. But yeah. He sees this group that he wants to participate in. Yeah. He's really bad. They like tease him a little bit, but ultimately he wins their trust and like blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And blah, it's blah. like, I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this. If I never saw the Sandlot again in my life, I would be a fucking okay. I mean, I do like it, but it I is. I like it. It's just like, flawed. it's one of those, well, it's not even just that. It's like, once you've seen the Sandlot, you've seen every <laughs> single goddamn little kids' movie. All of them about the same thing. Yeah. White boy moves to a new town. <laughs> Same, same yeah. shit. Yeah, it literally. Or I mean, and, and there, there are a few, you know, where it is like where it's a white girl, you yeah. know, and you know she uh, is kind of around the same age, maybe usually a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. Um, people love stories about white girls cutting each other down in middle school. I swear yeah. to God. <laughs> I swear yeah. To God. And that actually brings me, brings uh, to mind this really, really, really good article. Written by Morgan Jerkins. Morgan Jerkins. Called Reading Board White Girls, which I which we'll include in show notes. Um and everything we'll talk about, we, like we will actually include in show notes this time because this is a lot of is a lot of good reading kind of around yeah. this movie. Reading Board White Girls is this essay that kind of breaks down all those like typical white narratives of, you know, a young white girl in adolescence who has like a pretty regular life and like looks to complicate that through her actions yeah. you know sometimes it's making like a really bad decision or not necessarily a bad decision but like a like trying to be different yeah you think about like whip it i don't know if you've seen that yeah movie. or the, she joins this, the roller derby that movie is cute actually yeah, movie, she but, yeah she joins the roller derby yeah, yeah but, I, but i'm just saying like in terms of it's not necessarily a like a narratively 
Like it doesn't like subvert the narrative. No, in this and I mean, and even way. that film is still like one of the be- like. It's interesting. We talked about how most coming of age movies are about young white boys. It's funny because like when like stories, whether it's books like what uh, Morgan Jenkins is yeah. talking about in this essay, or films or whatever, like most stories about even young white women are are like like constricted obviously stories about young black women are further mm-hmm. constricted but stories about young white women are constricted to sort of like they're usually and okay so i feel like young white boys can seek out some sort of action or mm. they act yeah to like join a new group or do whatever i feel like young white girl stories like or the bored white girls that you know that she's talking about in the essay they're looking to just put themselves in a new context to be acted upon in a different way yes to hopefully arrive at a different like oh, to arrive at a destination that they can't see coming, and for some reason, it must be so fun to be white and just to like try to put yourself in danger. <laughs> to have, I mean, yeah, to, to have, be like, I feel have too that option. safe. I just want to put myself in some danger. Like, I have to while out. I have to while out. I'm always just like, how can I stay at home and be as safe as possible? I gotta stay alive. <laughs> like the four dollars that my black ass has, but um, even a, like a, there's like a lack of agency in these young white women stories that just like completely. Like, just, like, further complicates things and, like, leads to this bored white woman. I don't want to call it a trope. It's, like, a connected... It's, like, a theme. There are pieces of that, like, narrative kind of in this. Like, she... Or we don't get a chance to see the complications that a young black girl would have in this film. You know, like, her life seems fairly static. And it's clear she is longing for something. And it kind of positions that what she's longing for is kind of a deeper access to femininity and, like... Um, some sort of sisterhood yeah. um, that she doesn't have access to. Yeah. Um, and she kind of chooses this. But to me, I found it very different from this boy white girl narrative because of the fact that watching little black kids, I automatically, especially in this environment, they mm-hmm. they clearly are not necessarily like middle class. Like they're, they're I, hate, I fucking hate the word inner city. But yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like they're urban kids. Yeah. But you don't get a chance to see a lot of the like really heartbreaking the blight you don't get a chance to see the blight exactly like it's focused on her pursuing something pleasant or like you know what i'm saying like it's it's not about injury well yeah 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 it like it um when you say injury you're talking about gia tolentino on an episode of long form where she talks about a lot of that yeah yeah where she but where she talks about this she brings up this uh comparison of like a lot of times when you're talking about race you're talking about injury or insult yeah and opportunity yes and it's like and that's something that we've been using a lot in our conversations in real life which sadly sound a lot like the ones that we have on on this recording (laughs) but um because we have nothing fucking going on but yeah it's like you know the the story kind of chooses to focus on Opportunity. opportunity. It doesn't even seem like it chooses. It just seems like this is her world. She's a little girl. She wants to join this dance team. And, like, that's kind of what it's about, which is nice. Yeah, I found it so refreshing. The other kind of piece of this, the way it kind of, like, subverts it, too, is the plot device of the film of her discovering this or, like, what complicates this opportunity of joining this dance troupe Mm -hmm. are these fits, you know? And that adds this very kind of spooky, unsettling, almost sci-fi-like element to it. Which... How often do you fucking see in little black kid films? Yeah, like yeah. it's really, really rare and yeah. almost bizarre. Like yeah. if for a second I was like, wait, I had to remind myself that I like this because it was just so new and like so different. I was like, wait, I, I for a second didn't know how to feel. So much of being a woman is mystery and like yeah. you don't know. And even the things that we kind of know that like 
like all of like the blood and the guts and the piss and the shit and like the umbilical cords and like the menopause and like you know all of that sort of shit whatever causes people to want to get their assholes bleached or like get vaginoplasty or whatever mm. do you know what i mean like yeah. all of the stuff that we know is still kind of shrouded in secrecy and even like i don't know like how much did you know about childbirth before your wife had a kid Oh, absolutely nothing. I mean, I saw uh, the clearest picture of what I had of childbirth was the montage scene of uh, Mo Better Blues, where they actually show (laughs) her giving birth. And like for the longest time, I always like winced. I was like, oh, my God, this is so graphic. But like at the end of the day, it's like one of the most natural part of life. 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 And some shit you got to deal with if you want to, you know, get married and have a kid. Yeah. Um, But yeah, being a woman is like having, so much of being a woman is having a body that is mysterious and that in some ways feels out of your control. And then also being like, when you're a woman, your body changes in this way that actually like affects your center of gravity in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Like, um... I remember being, I was such an, I was such a small child. Like I was the runtiest person in my immediate family and I wasn't the youngest. And like, I was such a small child that like, I had to wear suspenders under all of my shirts to hold up my leggings, like my child leggings. I was that uh-huh. small. And like, when I was like little, my parents took me to the doctor and they were like, this child, like our kid won't gain weight. We can yeah. like see her ribs. And they're just like, this is just how small she is. This is what's going to be. Literally, I never thought that I would ever be able to fill out a bra. Surprise. Puberty happened in this long, distended, just crazy long. It took me fucking like 10 years to go through. I didn't finish until I was like 20. But like I literally have ended up with an adult body that is way different than like my Mm. body was even when I was 17 years old, which is like, you know, I mean, some people develop a lot sooner than that. But like I remember just like I also danced when I was younger and like. I got better. I remember, like, you know, I wasn't that good at it. And then you kind of get good enough at it in the body that you have when you're a kid. And then I remember being sort of out of whack and, like, not feeling like I was in control of my body. That's how I felt all the time. I think that's how all young people yeah. feel. You feel like your body is just, like, I can't control You don't know limbs. what to do with it. Right. And so, like, trying to, like, dance and fit into this form and, like, be able to, like, be on a team and have to, like, look the same. Like, have your movements be the same as so many other people's when you can't control your body is a weird feeling. But I also noticed that as I got older and older, I got better and better at it. Mm-hmm. But like still, like my like I said, I was like, maybe I got better and better at it about 16, 17. I did pom-pom when I was in high school, which is, uh, it's like, okay, you have black drill team on one end of the spectrum, and then you have a <laughs> pom-pom that I grew up doing with white girls. On the, and, I, and then I coached also as an adult on the, on the other end of the spectrum. But like, it requires like a lot of the same insane practice, insane attention to your body, insane attention to like, even though your body's doing all these crazy things, you still have to be in like you still have to be in step in formation or whatever, which is like serious palm dance drill team work mm-hmm. um, with everybody else. And I it like, but like I don't know, it's weird. It's like you have when you grow up dancing, you have a different relationship to your body in that you can feel. There is some mystery. Like, it, it goes, it like, your understanding of it goes away. Yeah, and even now I think about, like, the fact that, like, okay, I want to be a mom in a few years, let's say. What happens to your body when you're pregnant is positively alien. Like, it's, yeah. on one hand, the most natural thing in the world. But, like, you go, you went through puberty and you are done. Like, you, you're, yeah, you're for essentially the most part. done. Yeah. Whereas, like, being, like, a cis woman who, like, you know, may one day, like, bear children... Or even if I don't, like, I will go through menopause. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, my body 
is still doing mysterious shit. Yeah. And so when I saw them going through all of these fits one by one, seemingly like kind of at random, but also kind of in a pattern, sort of the same way that like everyone gets boobs at the same it feels like all these different times, but it's when the same within it's, the same yeah. eighteen months, right? Or everyone gets their period and you're like, Oh, so and so got their period seven months ago, I'm gonna kill myself. I haven't had my period yet. I'm like it's like that's I saw that and I saw them having these fits and I was like, Yes. This is what it's like. You're getting to the it's like the first time in your life where your body starts to do this really alien shit. And it never fucking ends. That's really deep. I'm not used to these narratives, like these two, like this coming of age, but such an unsettling, like almost Stranger Things like yeah. tension. Yeah. You know, like position with that. And and I can see like a lot of what you were saying. Like there was a, there are quite a few scenes of her like like after she discovered this dance team, she's like touching her arms in a different way because they for a second they called her like muscles, not like teasing her, but she's like, oh. You know, I'm feeling my arms, like, to to see how they're different. Yeah. Um, and then, like, there was a scene of her, like, getting dressed. And she had to wear, she wore all these, like, layers. And it was clear because she didn't know how she felt about, I guess, you know, how her breasts were developing yeah. or whatever. Um, it was clear at this point she was starting to take more control of discovering her own body in a way. And yeah. that, 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 like, spookiness was a part of that. That was interesting. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't really... I didn't know that that's what I was, <laughs> and that's what I was, you know, kind of like seeing at the time or witnessing. But also, the film is so sparse, like as far as you know what I'm saying. Yeah. That I almost feel like you could like, I read this one. I think it might have been it might have been the piece that Soraya wrote, like a uh, Soraya McDonald, friend of the show, or uh, writer for the Undefeated. I want to say that she spoke to the director, and you know, one of the possible reasons why this is happening to these girls is that there's something that could be wrong with the water. Even though, like, the boys are drinking the water and the boys remain unaffected the entire film. So, it, like, of course, you can't look at that in 2015, 2016 and not think Flint water crisis, right? And so the director, Anna Rose Homer, was saying that, like, you know, we made this film before any of the Flint water crisis. And, like, we made this before formation. Like, this is, like, it's interesting to see, like, the different parallels that can come about just from, you know, people looking at this film through different lenses. And sort of, like, she's noticed that audience members are bringing their own, I think she used the word trauma, but audience members are bringing in their own life experience and kind of, like, bringing it into the film and interpreting it that way, which I think is interesting. So, like, I mean, that's how I saw it, but, like, I could also see somebody else who has a different you know, physiology, a different biology, different brain chemistry, is from a different country, could look at the film and see something completely different than I did or what you did. No, definitely, definitely. And I mean, and it's interesting because I definitely took away, like, again, like back to that, that piece, like the parallels between this and formation are like, like very clear and obvious. Like if you just seen the video once, you're like, oh, yeah, like, wow, okay. You know, but in addition to that, like there was also a piece of it that I found really interesting that like... Like, how centered everything was in her mind. Uh Like, just, like, observing the world through a child's mind. Like, the things you hear and don't hear. Like, she often heard, like, pieces of conversation come in and out. Yeah. Um, And, like, there wasn't a lot of scoring because, like, so much of was from, like, Tony's perspective. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because a lot of that was, like, was my understanding of, you know, of life as a kid. Because, like, I just didn't know what the fuck was going on at any given time. Like, I'm just constantly trying to, like use all these like pieces of this like really almost overwhelming world around me to like just understand like what is going on yeah and it, it was like elements of that as well like the the movie is so 
thin feels like an insult, but it's like lean. It's like lean in a way that allows you, it's lean in time. Like it's like an hour and 12 minutes and it's so lean that you can add what you need to like get the experience that you want in a way that's really fulfilling. Yeah. So in coming back to the fits, Mm -hmm. I think, and like what those are. And I think like we we talked about them as like very rhythmic Mm dance-like. Yeah, they're like rhythmic dance-like seizures. Yeah. And, you know, they're, like you said, they they happen in a pattern and without and at random. Yeah. Um, which is maybe because of Tony's perception. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also lean in the sense that you can ascribe a million different explanations for why, or maybe you can't, mm-hmm. but, you know, for why these fits are happening. Like that, like that is something that is kind of, um, seems intentionally ambiguous about yeah. the film. And like one, there's this one article um, in Vogue, which was an interview with the director, Anna Rose Homer, um, that kind of talked about it as, like, contagion, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and not in the sense of, like, I mean, not only in the sense of, like, this is, like, a maybe, like, a disease or a sickness that's yeah. going around, but also, like, maybe, like, the contagion of emotions that I thought was really interesting or, like, yeah. life experience. It was just interesting to see this thing or or see what it might feel like to see something happening to people you know or care about and you can't understand it but you like she almost develops a desire mm-hmm. for it you know um without like giving too much of the way mm-hmm. too much away for the film that i found really interesting and unsettling too how you can see something be like terrified of it of what that means and then in addition like want it in a way but that's also like that's puberty that's growing up like you see like your peers you see them like losing control of their bodies but you also know in some way that like it's a it feels like a mark of maturity i think part of what drew tony to the drill team in the first place is like this like confident femininity that she felt as like a little girl boxer she didn't have access to so when she joins the team and they start having these fits and I can also even see, like as a side note, I can also even see a, a case for someone looking at the film and being like, well, the fits didn't start until until Tony sort of like... Came into it. Yeah, came into it. Like left like the, you know, I guess as a blanket term, like the world of the masculine and like joined the world of the feminine. Um, but yeah, like part of performing like femininity is like about like pain and trauma and like starting to wear an underwire bra and starting to like put cotton foreign objects in your body every month like to collect blood like that's like so much of performing femininity is like pain and trauma that like become a part of like regular life even if like you know I think tampons are a great invention and I wear an underwire bra almost every single day so it's not like I'm necessarily saying those things are bad but like or that like they're so traumatic that I, I can't like live my life with like you know like using them, but it, there's a certain level of discomfort that like comes with like shirking away girlhood and growing into womanhood. You know, she found that appealing I think from afar, and then now that she's joined the team, the fits do kind of have an appeal in that way. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is that all is like it's really interesting and, and foreign for me. <laughs> Why do you like? How did it make you feel like like I don't know? Because Tony was such a strong character. Your sister's name is Tony also. My sister's name is Tony, yeah. And you have niece. You have a niece. Well, you have several nieces now. I have, yeah. Yeah, you have a bunch of nieces. nieces. (laughs) You have all the nieces. (laughs) And you have a daughter. How did it feel like watching, like, even having the conversation that we're having now and, like, watching the film and seeing, like, this peek into what girlhood is like or can feel like? How was that? Well, I mean, honestly, it's, 
it was kind of great. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, uh, Carla and I watched the movie together. Mm-hmm. I could see a world where I show this to Eve, you know, and yeah. like, like have her watch it. And I, like, at the point I was like, I don't know what I would say to her about this movie, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I do think this is like, it's clear something about this is kind of important. You know, I recognize that without having the language for what it was. So I really like I really liked it in that way. And I also like I really appreciated it for that. Mm-hmm. But I also really appreciated it for the care that it took with like the importance of how they looked and how they sounded, you know, yeah. like when talking to each other. And, yeah. Like, the 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 lingering you don't get lingering shots of a little black girl like dancing in a way that showcases its beauty. That's not meant for her to pass it off to a white person. Yeah. You know, usually it's her teaching, let me show you how we dance. And, yeah. you know, like, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, like, really enjoyed it for all those reasons. And I was like, I, like, I wish, I was like, I wish I had a lot more of the language, because I'm, I'm happy that we're having this conversation. I was like, I wish I had a lot more of the language for, like, what this is like on the other side to be able to pass it off to her. But I was like, I think, you know, she's going to have to be a lot older, but this is something like this is a this is a cool movie about a little black girl yeah. that's very different yeah. and not caught up in a lot of the you know the bullshit that is normally you know associated with little black girl movies yeah like um Beast of the Southern Wild for example yeah um yeah I was like I was like this is important I'm excited about this like I don't know I don't quite know why and I know I need to challenge myself to like understand more uh-huh. but I was like this is interesting for that reason I think and Carla and I we didn't get a chance to talk that much about the movie mm-hmm. but I think she kind of had the same reaction she was like well not necessarily the lack of understanding piece I think she probably got some things <laughs> I think so that I didn't yeah. but uh, but she was like wow okay that was pre- you know like that was pretty good yeah I like it was a very much a filing of like I want to keep this in my mental Rolodex yeah because it's going to be important later yeah um, that's kind of where I was at yeah. That's interesting. It's just so it's like one of the things I thought was I I haven't talked about I haven't talked about this on this show, but I talked about it on an episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour. I talked about the get down and I talked about Stranger Things and sort of how one of the things that's so cool about that type about like media that's focused around young people is like when you see them sort of like flesh out like their inner worlds. And I felt like without having too much dialogue I just found Tony to be so contemplative and to have so much going on. And like I had never seen a movie that's that was so well wrestled with like a young girl's decision to move toward femininity. I think that a lot of the time in coming of age films about girls, because we live in a patriarchal society and a sexist and misogynistic society, there's an assumption that moving toward the feminine is to become unintelligent mm-hmm. or to be underdeveloped or to start caring about things that are... Trivial. Yeah, trivial. Exactly the word I was looking for. And I liked the fact that Tony was given so much room to be a fully developed, like, deep-thinking, again, contemplative young woman um, who was making this conscious choice to move toward femininity, but femininity wasn't like, okay, you could tell that within their world, within the world of these young black kids, that the girls who were on the drill team were the prize. They which had is, stature. They had stature. But additionally, once you got into their interior world of being on the team, they were very feminine and they were like really into the hair, the nails, the makeup. And you saw that, like, not just in their actions, 
you saw that in their presentation. Yeah. You saw that in the way that they communicated with each other. And you also saw it in the choreography. Yeah. Like there were lots of hair flips and there's a lot of like kind of like kicky feminine attitude in the way that they move. And it's important to know that those things are treated with reverence. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, exactly. Those things are treated with reverence. And then also like, but like you also see like that at the end of the day, these girls are athletes and that they are like, you know, like they still have, they have all of these feminine qualities, but they also, they practice really hard. They train. Do you know what I'm saying? They're all very dedicated the same way that the boys who were boxing down the hallway in the recreation center, they were also very dedicated too. And um, to me, it was like, I don't know if this was an intention, but I sort of took away from it, like messing with the concept of what athleticism is. Like athleticism does not have to necessarily be masculine. And also that like moving from masculine to feminine is not necessarily devaluing yourself as a young girl. And like to see all of that happening, like through Tony's eyes was very, 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 very interesting. And like, I'm glad that it didn't end with like, you know, her, I, I can't, I can't remember precisely if I've seen a children's movie that has this exact plot point, but I'm sure there are some that people can, you know, maybe come up with the names. Maybe you guys tweet us shit. I don't know. But like, uh, there wasn't a scene where like she had her majorette outfit on and then decided to like, box a match featherweight you know yeah, what i'm saying there yeah. wasn't like she didn't have to run to like this box yeah that she didn't have to run to the boxing match and like the big thing was that like oh no i'm just gonna fight how i am because i can combine these two things yeah like i like that she was just like she wanted to move toward the world of young black womanhood she wanted to move toward this super feminine like like girl dominated space and like she wasn't penalized for it totally she found a lot of strength and like growth from it i thought that was cool so actually i think this is a good spot to take a break all right, we will be right back. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. Okay, so you are back with For Color Nerds, and today we've been talking about the fits. Yes. There's an important thing that I think we 
need to talk oh, about. Oh, I think we should definitely talk about it. So after I watched the movie, after Carl and I watched the movie, we were like, we were energized in a way, kind of feeling that same, like, wow, this is really like this is that was that was pretty fucking good. Yeah. Like, you know, and like talking about it. And so my my like first move anytime I watch a new movie, yeah. usually I do it before. Like I especially do it after. Yeah. Um, is I Google more information about the Absolutely. movie. I wanna see who directed it, I wanna see who made this. And when I looked up Anna Rose Homer, who we've mentioned as a director, I was like, I'm not gonna lie, like the steam kind of was let out of me <laughs> because she's white. And now, hmm, my appreciation for the film was immediately complicated mm-hmm. by seeing that she was white. Be- yeah. Because, I mean, I, just being perfectly honest, like, I like for how much I like the film, for how centered around black narratives and stories and relationships it was, yeah. I, I, I wished that it had been done by a black director. So the the actual production team behind the film, it was Anna Rose Homer, a white woman who's the director, and then two producers. One, Sayla Davis, who's a black woman, and another, Lisa, I could be butchering her name, but it looks like he, Carol, uh, Lisa Carroll. Um, and I, th- I think, I don't want to assume, but I'm, she appears to also be likely a woman of color as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was a, what do they call it, multi-cultai team. Yeah, or it's kind of a multiracial. <laughs> We're not doing that today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so like I like I saw that, and I was still kind of like it, it left me wrestling with a lot of things. Like there's this constant battle between how we tell black stories and who gets to tell black stories, and that's something that has been going on since black stories have been have been told. Yeah, and this is a case where I felt like this was a movie that was executed well and I could get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are definitely movies kind of like that. Like, I, we've talked, we, last episode we talked about Dreamgirls. Fucking love Dreamgirls. Yeah. Directed by Bill Condon. It turned you know, out great. Turned out. <laughs> it turned out great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, like, it was, it was excellent movie. Mind you, I will note in the awards episode, uh-huh. Bill Condon directed Dreamgirls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will note that Dreamgirls has a lot of, like, texture that can't be necessarily, or, like, is really tough to remove its blackness. True, true. And maybe, like, helps. But he he did a great job in showcasing that that film. Mm -hmm. Life is another one. I've never Um, seen that movie, but I know what you're talking about. Martin Lawrence and... Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Um, It's another movie directed by Ted Demi. Uh, It's another excellent movie. Definitely a black story. You know, Uh done very well. But, like, I've been... Yeah, I've been kind of struggling with I've been kind of struggling with that a little bit. Not because I I didn't I couldn't identify you know any deficiencies as a result uh, in the telling of the story. Yeah. Um, but something about that left me feeling off, and I haven't necessarily seen it addressed in how she's talked about the movie in, in the interviews that we've mentioned, like uh, the Undefeated and on Vogue. Yeah. No. How did, how did you feel? Well, okay. See, I, I ultimately, and I told you this, I like the movie. I think the movie was really well done. But, like, being a black, a young black girl on some sort of dance team is, like, a very, um, it, that's, like, first, like, firsthand experience. Like, I've had years. And so, like, I saw, and I felt like the story was very well done, but there were some things that were missing. There was a level of intimacy for me that was missing. Like, some of their conversations back and forth, so much of being on a dance team 
also, so I grew up doing a lot of competitive dance or whatever with a lot of young white girls. And there's like a shame that you have about like the, like everyone's hair is supposed to be the same whenever you're competing or anything like that. And there's a shame, a shame that you can have as, a, as like the only or one of a few black girls, as I got older, there grew to be more and more, um, as far as like, quote unquote, what to do with the hair and what to do with this and what to do with that. And when I coached as an adult, that was something that I really wanted to make all the little black girls feel comfortable about. But like I noticed that like whenever I would go to competitions or I would see like play cousins of mine or whatever, you know, at whatever, like different dance, I guess, like conventions or things like that. Or I would maybe go by their studio like there is an intimacy that exists in those spaces from everybody being black. That was just kind of missing. And it comes in like the littlest places like this is an outside example, but I don't know if you've ever seen the Beyonce documentary that she did for HBO. There's this one point in the documentary where it's like the first time that she's showing you like her childbirth process, right? Like this is all never before seen stuff. And one of the things that I found to be so beautifully intimate about it had to do with physical presentation and hair. So when Beyonce was giving birth, She's in this huge fucking hospital room, so like eight of her fucking family members are in there. But she has, she's in these big rollers um, because she knows she's going to get sweaty and her hair's going to get jacked up. And she also knows she needs to take a photo with that baby so that she can send out to her fans. Everyone knows she's okay. The baby's healthy. Everybody's happy. But you see her give birth in these rollers. Her body cools down. And then you see her mother, Tina Knowles, lovingly take out the rollers and fix her hair so she can take this photo. There's a lot of little intimacies like that that happen on a regular basis in these like all black girl spaces that I felt like on a certain level were just a little bit missing. So it didn't, I didn't think that it made the film necessarily bad, but certain parts of that experience to me felt slightly sterile, if that mm. makes sense. So like I thought that she did a really good job. I thought that it, like to me, I think it's a really well done film, but like there, uh, I think that it is inevitable that there were going to be some things missing. Uh, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like I could have a degree in, you know, Asian studies and I could have lived in, you know, Tokyo for five years. Yeah. And I could make a film about Japanese women and I could still miss a, a lot of their like their intimate lives that happen when they're interacting with just each other because even like just being an outsider in like an all let's say me being an outsider in an all Japanese space it changes the chemistry yeah. do you know what I'm saying her being a white outs outsider in an all black space it changes the chemistry when you're a black woman in an all black female environment everybody's trying to keep that hair wrapped as often as long as they possibly can <laughs> a lot of bonnets it's like, exactly it's like Oh, I don't have to. Okay, right. So, like, I'm going to try and preserve this for the outside world. I'm going to try and preserve this for the performance, right? Mm. I didn't feel like there was a lot of performance happening in between the girls in the film. Yeah. But the lack of some of those markers of intimacy, to me, still felt like it doesn't ultimately take away from, like, the overall quality of the film. Totally. But you just know that when you have a black director, those touches are just going to be there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, I totally do. And and I felt like in some in, in some cases... That was intentional because, like, as we mentioned, the film is intentionally like sparse. Like in a real world scenario, there would be much more dialogue in mm -hmm. a kids' movie. You know, yeah, like this. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like things like that. There might have been more opportunity for things like that. But that said, it might have been intentional. Oh, because she's so for isolated. For a reason, yeah. Um, but you know, I but. For the most part, I agree kind of with what you're saying. Yeah, even if you don't agree with it in this instance, you can think of other instances where, like, 
definitely. Yeah, where, we're like, that's the kind of the case. Exactly. Where it's obviously easier, especially in this context with what the film is about, yeah. for you to identify those things and for me to identify. There are things. probably a ton of black women who can who could watch this film who haven't had the same exact like you know dance background that I have had. Sure. Who would be like, I don't. This is this is like yeah. This is I don't notice anything that's missing. Yeah. But like overall, like I said, I think she did a great job. And trust me, there are like some. Like, I remember, what's that movie, Girlhood, that came out a couple years ago? Yeah. I remember, I didn't see it, but it's a I movie. I still haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a French film about four young, dark-skinned, black teenage girls living in France in the projects. And it was directed by Celine Shiama, who is a white European woman. And the film was lauded, and I read reviews of, like, non-black female critics and also black female critics alike. And people were able to concede this movie is very well done. Um, and, you know, like the fact that even that there are four dark skinned black teenage girls as the f- central focus of the film, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But a lot of the reviews that I read by black female critics were like, there's still some intimacy that that isn't yours that you wouldn't know is missing, that's yeah. missing. Yeah, I mean, I even heard, I mean, I think you put the, the criticism of the film even lightly. There was a lot of like, people pissed off yeah like people like legit fucking mad at, at the way those relationships kind of were executed because they felt like uh disingenuous yeah. um i don't think this movie suffers in the exact same way yeah but uh but yeah like that's actually the reason why i didn't see it ultimately just because yeah. it was like it was one of those things like i knew i wouldn't identify i wouldn't be able to identify those things because that's <laughs> like nowhere near who i am you're not a young black french teenage woman <laughs> exactly and you know i kind of was like uh i had, I had read so much of both sides of the criticism i was like I don't want to have to. I don't want to be picking sides. In yeah. this, you know, in this thing, I'm like, man, I, the movie's not necessarily some a one I have to see. Yeah. Um, but there's another. I mean, there's another reason why, I, like, her her kind of being white was complicated for me. Uh, in terms of like complicated my enjoyment or my reaction to the film, mm-hmm. was in terms of like how how black stories get greenlit. And how, you know, black stories get the go ahead. Mm-hmm. Now, this was, you know, f- to my understanding from what I've read, and I think it's covered in, in maybe the, the Vogue or the Undefeated piece, I'm not sure. Um, but she wrote the treatment for this for this movie in in school and pitched it with the production team, the, mm-hmm. the other two women who we mentioned, and eventually got the the relatively small, I think it was like a hundred 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 grand. Yeah. Um, that was needed to make it. And so that's, I mean, that's a pretty scrappy process in terms of like how much funding you get and what you're, able, yeah. what they were able to accomplish with that. But I mean, the reality is, for the most part, maybe not now, like today. You know, yeah. It it has traditionally been easier for a white person to stand up and say, "Hey, this story of color is interesting, yeah, and should be told." than it is for a black filmmaker to do that exact same thing. Yeah. Well, because the assumption is that, like, it's like if it's not... I remember being in film school and thinking about, like, what I wanted to make after I got out of college. By the time I graduated, it was fucking nothing. Fuck all of you. You made my experience here (laughs) fucking terrible. But one of the things I used to talk about is I was just like, you know what I want to do? I just want to make a show about black people. And, like, it doesn't have to be, like... What is I remember like and I was just like you know what and it's gonna make a ton of fucking money, 
Because even if it's not new to me, it's new to white people. Anything that's new to white people <laughs> is what makes fucking money. So there's like some novelty in that, right? Sure. If it's novel yeah. to a white person, then it's new. If it's interesting to a white person, then it's interesting. But there's also like legitimacy wrapped up in that. Sort mm -hmm. of just like you need to have, I hate to draw this comparison, but like think about slave narratives. Every single slave narrative back in the day, you had to have a white person write the prologue mm. because the thought that a black person could have something to say of value and would know how to put those thoughts together in like a reasonable way was so, it was like, I had a professor in college who said like, you have to understand two white people who could like read books, let alone the ones that could own land, just white people in general. This is like a cow speaking English. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. like a cow being able to be like, all right, I'm gonna tell you what it's like to be me. We're gonna write a book about it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great. So they had to have a white person write the prologue to slave narratives so that white people know like, this I am a white person, this is worth your time, and yes, this Negro did write this story. <laughs> and like, I'm not saying that this is what Anna Rose Homer, or Ted Demi, or Steven Spielberg, or any of them, I'm not saying that that's precisely how they're coming about it, yeah. but like, the need for white validity to have our stories be interesting, and to have our stories move forward toward a larger audience, has always been present. Literally, since we were writing about slavery, which everybody knew, like yeah. everybody knew it was terrible. Everybody knew we were there. Like it was clear. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was clear. But there's still this idea that like like a black person being interested in telling a story that's local to them is not enough of a good reason to like follow through and fund something or to like amplify a message. And it's, so I mean, I completely fucking agree. Um, but it's interesting, like looking at another movie, I think there's kind of a, an interesting comparison to make here with Southside With You, which was directed by uh, Richard Tanney. I'm gonna, that's going to be his We're name. We're going to say that's his name. <laughs> that's yeah. his name. Um, who is also white and also a story about two black people, very black story, literally like about the Obamas, like about first their date. first date. <laughs> um, he actually, he talks, so there's this interview uh, on Jezebel done by uh, Rich Jezwiak. And he kind of, he asked him, he's like, yo, you're white. <laughs> white <What's> person. <laughs> yeah. Jezwiak, just so you guys know, is like, that is a white person's last name more often than not in the United States of America. Yes. Yes. So white person asked another white person. Yeah. He was like, yo, so you're white. Uh, what's up with that? You know, what, 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 like, what justification do you have to make you the person that needs to tell this story? Because he also, in this particular case, he was, he was, uh, I think, largely the central writer as well. Yeah. And how do people react to that? That was kind of the question. And interestingly enough, the director, he was like, I actually had kind of a hard time trying to get this film made. Um, yeah. I mean, you know. There might be some in in ways, <laughs> yeah. in ways, in ways. Not always. Yeah, some, yeah. Maybe some quotations around that. But uh, but he said people wanted the film. You know, obviously it's, it's, it's the Obamas is their first date, but they did not want it with him. Yeah. Um, and I think that even that reaction is something that could probably only happen like the past two years, <laughs> yeah. the past like fucking year and a yeah. half. That was like, I remember I was reading this in the, in the, in the interview and being like, my mind was fucking blown. Yeah. <laughs> like People were like, mm, not with you. Yeah, exactly. So literally how he got the film made was, you know, it was the casting of Tika Sumter, which I also thought was really, really fascinating mm -hmm. um, because of who Tika Sumter is. I mean, beautiful woman. Don't get yeah. me twisted. 
And also, like, finally, like, a, a black actress who's been kind of working to come up for a while now, finally, like, just really getting her due, uh-huh, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, but once he casted her as Michelle Obama, that's when interest picked up in the movie. And it's uh. interesting to me for, like, a like a, a kind of a million reasons. One, <laughs> yeah. hearing that, like, a dark-skinned black actress who is kind of on the cusp but not, like, there. She's not Zoe Saldana. She ain't Carrie Washington. Exactly. Yeah. Like She's, you know. like, she's she's trying to get, like, deeper into the mix. Exactly. So to hear that, like, that's the thing that greenlit it was, like, I was like, wow, you know, maybe there's an inkling of progress and hope <laughs> in the world. You know, also because of the fact that, like, she's kind of, like, I mean, in this plays into a lot of the like bullshit colorism the face but yeah. like she's she's darker than michelle obama mm-hmm. in skin and like usually like look at fucking nina you know what i'm saying yeah. like usually it's the complete opposite of that spectrum so i think it's important to note like this is like her being in that position of power i don't think and he even acknowledged he was like i don't know that this is a sea change at all i don't know that this there's enough <laughs> there's enough here to yeah. like be like this is the fork in the road and we're finally moving in the right direction but I, I thought it was i thought it was interesting that you know that who she is helped get this movie greenlit and yeah. made that that felt like subverting the narrative especially the one that you just outlined so i think we're in like a world now where there's so much attention to, you know, there's so much attention to with Oscar So White, like diversity hashtag trend of yeah. the past couple years yeah. that a black person who's not Will Smith. Yeah. You know, like not Denzel, not Halle Berry, which is. She's my, not. She's not. even. I was going to say Halle she's Berry anymore. No, she's not in this anymore. Um, Zoe Saldana is kind of her her replacement. Confounding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like you know is getting a movie greenlit and yeah. mind you this isn't a studio this isn't a big studio film this is an independent film yeah you know um but i'm hoping this is a change that can continue but also with black people at the helm. yeah <laughs> like i'm hoping that because the progress is hitting the white people first i'm like all right maybe in five years maybe five to ten years that we can finally like get like a tika sumter led like black romantic drama or comedy that like is directed by like a black woman and like have that be like a like a hot ticket that would be cool maybe it could happen i know (laughs) i'll probably be a grandmother by then but you know my fingers are crossed so i mean i think this is a good point probably to wrap up so i mean if you take nothing away from this conversation i do think it's important you should see this movie like yeah i I I, I would say definitely see it. Yeah, and it's it, you know it, it's available to rent on Amazon or iTunes again, like whatever you you choose. But see it and tell us what you think. You know, like we love to hear more about like other people's reactions because again, this movie is kind of lean in a pretty like unique way. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you can ascribe a, a lot of different feelings and emotions. To you it. can. It's like about a very specific. It's not about like this is this this is all black girls' experiences. It's like about this very specific girl in this very specific setting, and I think because the world is so small, but the themes are so big. Yeah, I'm like I, I think that anybody could could have something interesting to say about this. So I'm I mean I'm, I'm I hope y'all watch it's a $4 rental. In a $4 <laughs> rental maybe $5 yeah. if you get an HD. Yeah. So like you know if you're trying to stay up at the club, if you're trying to save some money, if you're on a budget, I mean I would definitely suggest uh you know firing up the old Amazon. Yeah. It's a good night. So Tell us what you think on Twitter. You can email us at forcolornerds at gmail.com. Yeah. On Twitter, obviously, we're at forcolornerds. Mm-hmm. Um, one, a couple other things that you could do, you know? Yeah. 
If you enjoyed this and you want to see it continue, you could uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes. You do not rate and review the show by emailing us. You do not rate and review the show by telling your mom. You go to iTunes, not SoundCloud, not Stitcher, iTunes for the rate and review. You can listen. You listen wherever you feel. Wherever you feel like you want to listen, you can listen. But if you want to rate and review, go to iTunes, five stars only. And uh, write a nice little review. Yeah. It, like, it really, 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 really helps people find the show. Yeah. In a way that we really appreciate. Another thing that you can do. Yeah. You know, I don't want to describe more important or less important, but it's important, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, give to us on Patreon. Yes. As we mentioned, we want to grow the show. Yes. Um, You might not think it, but the show could be better. <laughs> <laughs> The show could be better. We know that. We want to do that. And, you know, we, we, but we honestly, we need your help to do that. So, you yeah. know, there's some things that we are um, trying to put in place that, that sadly we just need, uh, you know, some more funds to be able to accomplish that. Yeah. Um, but if you give to us on Patreon, you will help the show grow. In addition to that, mm-hmm. you will also very soon, you know, be getting some exclusive content from us that you can't gain anywhere else. Mm-hmm. In addition, this mysterious, legendary For Color Nerds merch that <laughs> uh, will be dropping. I promise. I promise. It's yeah. actually not my fault. It is. I was just about to say, it's not Eric's fault. There have been some technical issues that have nothing to do with us that are at play. Yes. Uh, but you get discounts on that. And we're also going to probably do some like some raffles and things like that. Yeah. Um, but only for our supporters on Patreon. Anything literally a dollar or up. You can give as little as a dollar if you want to. One dollar, what you will get from us is our love and appreciation. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But if you donate as little as $5 a month, that is literally $60 per year, you get 15% off our upcoming For Colored Nerds merchandise. Yes. So, like, you know, one dollar will help. Literally $12 over the course of the year will help. If you absolutely have no money, just tell everybody that you know that we are, (laughs) that we're on Patreon. Yeah. Um, Spread the word. Spread the word, please. Thanks for rocking with us. We will be back. Very soon. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> Brady is a ray of sunshine today, y'all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank and you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.